such an awesome moment of worship. So amazing to be in the presence of God. And here's what I was feeling and being inspired as we were worshipping in that song. Just a, such an anointed song, isn't it? But think about it for a second. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. You see, I think sometimes we look at God and we forget he is holy. He is almighty God. He's creator of heaven and earth. He is over all things. You see, there was Saul riding on his horse and God just revealed himself in a moment. And he knocked him off his horse and blinded him. Just a moment when he shone his face upon him. There's a moment when Moses goes up the mountain. He says, Lord, reveal yourself to me. And God says, I couldn't do that because you wouldn't even live. But I'll show my back to you. And here we are saying, Lord, shine your face upon us. And he's willing. But let's remember the holiness, the holiness of what we're asking here. You see, here's the thing. Right now, there's all kinds of struggle and strife all around us. Little darkness is popping up in lives. But then there's the face of Almighty God shining. And when the face of God shines, everything else has to fade away. It's too bright. So I don't know where you're at and how you're feeling right now. I don't know what's around the corner for you, but I know this. The face of Almighty God is shining on you. So have peace. Be at peace. Be at peace in your health. Be at peace in your finances. Be at peace in your relationship. Be at peace in your workplace. Be at peace in your home. I speak the peace of Almighty God over you right now in Jesus' name. And I leave you with that thought. His face is shining over you. Be blessed. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, wherever you are, whether you're in a watch party, whether you're at home, get on that chat box and say a massive thank you to our worship team. We are so blessed. Let's never take that for granted. We have an anointed and gifted team and we are blessed. So thank you so, so much. Hey, we've been having watch parties now for a few weeks. And they've been going amazingly, amazingly well. I know that our, uh, our production team will put up some photos just so you can have a little look uh, at what it looks like to be in our watch party. I want to encourage you to come along. It is awesome to be at home and, and to watch the service and have your moment. But there is something very special when you get together. And we've been experiencing something very special when we've been getting together, just watching the service together, but raising our hands and clapping and dancing together, amening together. Something goes off in the togetherness. So I encourage you, have a look at the photos and we'd love to see your book in. I'm sure on the screen it will come up how to do that, but we'd love to see you there. And hey, we're going to keep the giving going. You know, we've had so many faithful people continuing to honour the Lord with their finances and I encourage you to do that. I want to just declare to you that Equipers Church Essex is good soil to sow into. So many great things are happening in the life of our church. So many lives outside of ourselves are being blessed. And so I want to keep encouraging, keep honoring God with your finances because kingdom is coming to earth. The kingdom of heaven is coming to earth through our church. So bless you in all of that. Hey, I just want to give a big shout out and a big thank you to all our Connect Group leaders. Again, as we're doing online church, a great big thank you to our Connect Group leaders. 
who faithfully week in, week out are hosting Zoom calls and our connect groups are growing and relationships are building and people are standing together better than ever before. If you're not in a connect group, I encourage you to get in one. But again, thank you, connect group leaders. You are amazing. God bless you for all you're doing. Good times, hey? Good times. I've got a great message for you. Um, I've been in this... While we're recording this, I've been in the room and strutting around. I feel like a bit of a, a, a caged lion. I've got something to give you and I'm, I'm ready to go. So let me pray this one in. Father, Lord, I want to thank you for every amazing person who's going to hear this. Lord, I pray you could use me to speak into brilliant lives. Lord, that hearts and minds would be changed. Different choices would be made. And in it all, Jesus, you would be glorified. Lord, my greatest cry is that people would be satisfied in life. They would win in life. And they would walk it out hand in hand with the King of Kings. Amen. This is part two of a series of messages I'm calling Truth Bombs. And really the concept is that we're looking at biblical principles, God-breathed principles, that when you walk them out, breed abundant life. And you know, who doesn't want abundant life? You know, Jesus came and said, I have come that you'd have life and life in abundance. We all want that. But there are principles in God's word pointing us how to live life so that we attract the abundance. And I look at it like this. You've got to be mature enough to implement those choices, to implement those principles. Who knows this if you're a parent out there that you will do your best to train your children, to teach your children how to live life well. But you've got to know that a six-year-old isn't always going to get it right. And there's a lot of grace for a six-year-old. They might get scolded now and then by their parents. They might be told off. They might be pointed in the right direction. But you can't expect too much of a six-year-old. An 18-year-old, you would like to think, is becoming a young adult. They've been through some stuff. They've matured a little bit, and they'll make some better choices. Who knows that 18-year-olds are still going to make some poor choices, but they'll make better choices than a 6-year-old. When you get to 30, you've been through some stuff. You know, you may be married. You may have children. You may have taken a few steps along the journey in, in your career. But either way, however your life is panning out, you will have matured somewhat because of life. And so you therefore make better decisions. Our goal through these preaches is to mature quickly so that we are able to follow the instructions of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who has said, this is the way to do life. This is how I've made it. And if you follow these principles, you will be satisfied. But it takes maturity and it takes choices. I wonder what it would actually look like if we were mature enough, I'm going to use that word, mature enough to always do life God's way. If we were able to stop and think, no, this is the way God's asked me to do it. Just like a, a, an adult or a parent training their child. When they're six, you don't expect it. When they're 18, you expect more. When they're 30, you'd hope they're getting it. Could we be Christians who are mature enough to make great choices? So my title today is this, I was hoping for better. You know, I wonder how many of us at different points in life reflect and make that statement. I'm looking at my life and I was hoping for better. Because the reality is we know that Almighty God is committed to us walking in triumph. We're his kids. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to be happy. He wants to satisfy us. He wants us to win. And, and so he's committed to that. And yet he's also committed, as any parent is, to let his children go and make their own free choices. 
And there comes a point in any parent-child relationships where you have to let your children go and they've got to make their choices. And you hope you've done a good enough job that they'll make great choices. The truth is you'll always be there and God's always there to pick you up, dust you down and reposition you. But his hope is, as a parent, that you're going to make great choices. Here's the thing. We are spiritual people living in a natural world. But the spiritual will always trump the natural. Look at it like this. God spoke spiritual and the world was formed natural. The spiritual always will instigate the natural. The spiritual will always impact the natural. So as we apply spiritual truths in our natural world, the spiritual truths have to impact our experience in the natural world. And so when we apply spiritual truths, although they're spiritual truths, they impact our natural living. And here's the amazing thing for those people who walk with Jesus. When he sees you applying a spiritual truth, what does he do? He says, I can get my weight behind that. We've already looked at this. I can get my weight behind that decision. So not only do you make a a spiritual truth-based decision, the weight of heaven comes behind that decision, and therefore you don't get natural results. You get supernatural results. Can you see, by applying a spiritual truth, you have this experience of outrageousness in the natural. Why? Because God, your heavenly Father, can back it. You're doing life his way. You're making a choice to do it his way, and he will back it from heaven. Here's the thing. God can do outrageous things. He is the God of miracles. We see it in Jesus' life. I've seen it in my life. I'm sure many of you have seen amazing things unfold in your life where you've just had to say, that had to be God, and it stirs your faith. There was times in Jesus' life where he did amazing things, and there was a moment when he was walking with his disciples, and they were like, Jesus, we've got a tax bill to pay. I I don't know how we're going to do that. And Jesus says, I do. He says, bring that fish to me. And he cuts open the fish, and there's a coin in the fish. And the coin is enough to pay the bill and over. And it's just like, wow. You see, he's the God of provision in miraculous ways. And he does amazing things. However, overwhelmingly, what he really wants to do is back our continual choices. There will be moments of the miraculous. There will be moments of outrageous stuff where he declares himself. But he wants mature children to make good choices that he can back continually. Is there an amen in the house? So let me tell you a little story that I've just made up to to bring a picture here. I'm going to tell you a tale of two farmers. We've got Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave's a good farmer. He's got 50 tomatoes. But then there's Farmer Barlimo. Farmer Barlimo has 500 tomatoes. And Farmer Dave looks at his, his 50 tomatoes and he thinks to himself, good tomatoes then. And he takes 10 for himself and he enjoys them. He cooks a couple, he saves a couple, he eats a couple, he puts a couple away for another time. But the other 40 tomato, he opens up and he goes to his field and he plants the seeds of those tomatoes. But Farmer Barlimo, he's got 500 tomatoes. He's got the life. So he's thrown a tomato-based party. He's got everyone coming round. He's cooking some tomatoes. They're mashing tomatoes up. They're making tomato sauce. He's enjoying it. He is stuffing his face full of tomatoes. And he's living the life. In the course of time, Farmer Dave goes out to his field. And he sees all these tomato plants that have sprung up. And on those tomato plants, 
was a thousand tomatoes. And he's like, wow, come on. Farmer Barleymo walks to his field, nothing. He ate the lot, nothing. And he looks over at Farmer Dave. And let's be honest, he looks over a bit jealous. And he says this, it's all right for you, Farmer Dave. I'd hoped for better. And you know what? There's a principle of life that we need to grab hold of that's a God principle that will take us into abundance. And it's this principle, the principle of sowing and reaping. It's an irrevocable spiritual truth that brings life. It's a God principle and we need to grab it. So I want to unpack it a little bit for you today because I believe it's going to be helpful to you. Let's start here. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. It says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. See, how often are we praying to God in any given situation and saying things like, God, just sort this one out for me. I need your help right now. Come in. You're the God of provision. You're the God of help. You're the God who loves me. Sort me out. An almighty God, our Father in heaven is looking down and says, I really want to. But I really want to back your choices. You see, as a father, and all you parents out there will get it, you can keep putting it right for your kids. But in the end, you want them to mature so they can live on their own, stand on their own two feet. And it's the same with our father. He could keep putting it right, but what's going to happen? We're never going to grow. We're never going to learn. We're never going to mature. We're going to keep walking around the same part of the mountain time and again until the point where we just take a hit on the chin and learn to make a different choice. So God is willing and is able and often steps in. But what he really wants is people to mature. And to grasp this principle of sowing and reaping. Let me show you another verse. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8 and then 10 to 11. It says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Right there's the heart of the Father. He wants you to succeed and abound in life. It then goes on to say this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, that's God, and bread for food will also supply and, and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. That's just a brilliant passage. You see, when you boil it down, God is saying, I'm after your heart. I'm not forcing you. There's no compulsion here. Do what you want, but I'm going to back your choices. And see, the reality is we, we, we have options all the time to give, to not to give, to sow, not to sow. And God's saying, free will, no compulsion, not forcing anything here. But I will get behind the decision you make. Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who sow generously will reap generously. And what's the goal? 
The goal for God is this, that he wants his people to succeed. He wants you to win. He wants you to flourish. And he wants you to flourish so much that there's an overflow spilling out of you so that you can be generous on every occasion to the people around you. And out of that, what happens? People give thanks to God. So when you nail down the principle of sowing, you win, people win, and God wins. It's win, win, win. So the principle of sowing and reaping actually causes everyone to win. And it's a God-given principle. Yeah, I know it's a principle that many of us have wrestled with and still wrestle with and maybe still will wrestle with. But I hope I'm unpacking it to you. Jesus came that you would have life in abundance. These are spiritual truths. And if we could just be mature enough to make a great choice continually, God will get his weight behind your choices and he will be glorified. You see, we can see with the, with the two farmers, it's ridiculous that farmer Barlimo thinks he's going to reap anything. He sowed nothing. And yet so many of us living today are expecting exactly that. What, it's all right for you. What, what have you sown? What have you sown consistently? What have you given? What have you planted? What have you put down? And the questions are real. And we can keep going to God and say, help us out. And you know what? On many occasions he will. But there comes a time where he says, come on, my children. I want you to mature and get the principles. I want you to flourish. But I need you to make some good choices. I believe you can. And here's the thing that we wrestle with. And I like to put it like this. It's either a seed mentality or it's a fruit mentality. Remember 2 Corinthians 9. We just read it. He who supplies seed. Who does he apply it to? The sower. You see, God is looking for people who will sow. Because he says, I can supply more seed to you. I'll keep giving you seed. It'll always be seed. I'll give it more and more. Why? Because you'll keep sowing it. And what happens when you sow it? You get more. People get more. God gets glorified. But here's the thing. I think too many of us wrestle with this fruit mentality. I've been to work. I've earned my money. And it's mine. So I'm going to save some for a rainy day. I'm going to have a holiday. I'm going to buy some food. I'm going to get some nice clothes. It's mine. It's mine to enjoy. Well, that's cool. And God said, no compulsion. I'll back your choices. But it's a fruit mentality. It's me enjoying it all. It's Farmer Balimo. I've, I've earned it. I've got it. It's mine. And the thing is, so often when we're talking about sowing and reaping, the Bible talks about in farming terms. And it does that because that was the language of the time. That's how they traded. Today, there are farmers... But most of us go out to work and earn money and we trade with our cash. So we apply the same principle to our money. And so what happens here is God says, I'm looking for people who will sow. Because I've got so much seed. So much. But I'm looking for sowers. Who's going to sow? And here we are going, God, I haven't got enough. But we've got a fruit mentality. And the little bit we've got, we're keeping to ourselves and we're storing it up. And we're having a, what we think is a great life. And then things aren't opening us and we're struggling. Why? Because we've got a fruit mentality. And God is saying, come on, grasp this, my people. I want you to win. I'm looking for people with a seed mentality. You see, you can have an apple. And you can eat that apple and enjoy it for a moment. It will sustain you for a while and it will taste good. Or you can cut that apple open and plant the seeds in the garden. And over the course of time, you'll have an apple tree that will keep producing apples. Can you see, it's staring you in the face obvious, and yet we still wrestle with this whole idea of sowing financially, thinking it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. But let's remember, God supplies seed to the sower. He gave it to you in the first place. He opened up a door for you to be able to make wealth. 
And so he's wanting to bless you. But there's a, there's a principle of life here that God needs his people to grasp. I love this. We'll all be familiar with the Dead Sea. Probably the most famous sea out there. And we all know there's so much salt in this sea that you can't even sink. You go out there and someone who's a useless swimmer and can't even swim, you can't sink. But nothing can survive in there. Nothing can live in there because there's so much salt you can't live in it. And the reason it's called the Dead Sea is because there's an inlet, but there's not an outlet. So it just stagnates. It just stays in one place. And nothing can live there. So it's the same principle. When you get some stuff, you need to sow some stuff. Because if you keep it all for yourself, it stagnates and nothing can live there. It's a life principle that God says, this is the way I've done it and I want you to win. The truth is, do we trust him? Do we trust our heavenly father enough to let go of some of our stuff and sow it, trusting that he will back what he said? I do. I hope you do. It's the best life. Now, most of scripture around this sowing and reaping topic is financial. And what I've discovered in my now 16 years of being a pastor is there are some people who believe in the principle of sowing and reaping as long as it's not to do with my money. Why will sow and reap? You see, because the sowing and reaping principle applies in lots of areas. But the one we struggle with is money, which is why God has so much to say about money, because it's like, I need you just to open your hands because I'm going to bless you, but we keep it. But here's the thing. I've had people come to me and say, oh, Barry, I'm, I really struggle. I just haven't got any friends. But the principle is this. If you need a friend, be a friend. Sow friendship into someone else and you will reap friendship. So many people who haven't got friends are keeping themselves to themselves and saying, I've got no friends. But the principle is this. What are you sowing in friendship if you want a friend? Sow friendship and you'll reap friendship. But if we can start looking at our finances as seed, God will get it to you if he can get it through you. That's the point. There's got to be a flow. He wants you to be satisfied, but there are principles for us to learn which bring blessing and flow all around us. I want to encourage you, everyone who calls uh, Equipus Church Essex your home, we apply this principle to ourselves. You will know, many of you, that we, um, once every year, we do this thing called the Free Family Fun Festival. And we go into Castle Park, and um, we put the churches in the town, there's uh, 10 or 11 churches involved. We put on this event, and we invite all the families and cultures to come, and it's free to them. The churches pay for it. Bouncy castles, coconut shies, all kinds of events, music. It's just a brilliant, brilliant event. Last time we did it, we had nearly 12,000 people come out it was amazing but it's free to the public why because the church pays for it now for us as a church we put four figures behind that we put a lot of money into it why because we believe in family God believes in family so what are we doing we're sowing into family in this fun festival what can we expect to reap if we're sowing into family we expect to reap family and I know this, when we moved into our previous venue called Norfolk House, this is five years ago, we had 17 children on our books. Five years later, we've just moved out of that building, we have 49 children on our books right now. What's happening? We're reaping families. Why are we reaping families? Because we sowed into families. We made it important, we got our weight behind it, and now we're reaping it. And I don't think we've finished reaping yet, I think it's still coming our way. So if you're a family out there looking for a church, this is a great one. But it's the principle of sowing and reaping. 
we support um, a ministry called IJM, International Justice Ministries. Um, and, and what they are, in essence, is, is a group of Christian lawyers that have decided it is, it is not okay to have human trafficking in our time. It's not okay for people to be in slavery anymore. It's not okay for pe people to be forced into the sex trade. It's not okay. And so they go to these places where it's happening and they enforce the law where the law isn't being enforced. They, set, they go in there and they do the right things legally and they prosecute the perpetrators and get them put in jail. That stops it from happening. Then they take these often young kids who have been abused and they set them up for life. They bring healing to them. They give them skills and all these things. And it is stopping it. And we put lots of money behind that. We support the group in Dominican Republic. And we're putting lots of money behind that. We're sowing into that. What can we expect? We can expect to see people free. But we can also expect ourselves to be free because we are sowing into freedom and so therefore we should be reaping freedom. It's a God principle and he will back it. What about Ghana? There's a Equippers Church in Ghana. Amazing, amazing church there. I visited in January and uh, they're doing a great, great thing. But they're a small group. They're about 50 or 60 people currently and, and they need a building. Now when we were 50 or 60 people, if someone came and helped us get a building, we'd have been so blessed. So what did we do? We took up an offering and we sent five and a half thousand pounds over to Ghana. And, and two weeks ago, they've just started to build the building. They've dug the holes. It's starting to happen. We can physically see some stuff happening. So we are sowing into Equippers Ghana. We've got a great relationship with those guys. But here's the thing. We need a building. So what can we expect, church, when we are sowing into someone else's building? We have to expect God to honor his word. So we can expect a harvest, a reaping of a building for ourselves. There must be an amen in the church right now. You see, here's the thing. It's sowing and reaping. We could have said we're saving for a building. We're saving for a building. We can't afford to give Ghana five and a half grand. No, that could go towards our building and we keep it. That would make sense naturally, wouldn't it? But it doesn't make sense spiritually. Because naturally you want to hog it all. Spiritually you want to sow it all. And as you sow it, it comes back to you and God's got his weight behind it. So I'm expecting a building in God's timing. But I'm not worrying about it because we've got some seed in the ground. And we're about to reach, reap a harvest. I hope it's unpacking it for you a little bit. Because in the end, this boils down to your choice about your finances, about your possessions, and about your life. God in heaven, your Father, wants you to succeed. But there are principles that he's put in place to help you. I love this concept, and I hope this blesses you. Money leaves your hand, but it never leaves your life. How about this? Think of Moses and Moses' mum. Moses lived in a time when Pharaoh was going around uh, killing all, the, all the, the small baby boys because they were becoming too vast as a nation. And his mum said, oh, I'm going to put him in the river and, and, and let him go. She sowed him. And he ended up in Pharaoh's house. And what did they decide? Well, what's the best, who's going to be the best person to bring up this baby, this Israelite child? Let's go and find his mum. And so his mum sowed Moses Ended up living in the palace, but got Moses back and was able to bring him up in a better location. You see, she sowed him and she reaped him. It, she, he left her life, but it was never, he left, she left, he left her hand, but he never left her life. Can you see the principle there? And it's true with finances. When you sow it, it's in the ground, but it always comes back to you. 
and, and God will bless you and you'll play your part in setting other people up to win. And there's this circle of, of generosity that God just gets his weight behind. I want to just look at a specific situation which I think applies to right now in this COVID season we're, we're living in. I want to look at Isaac in Genesis. We're going to look at Genesis 26 and, and the first verse and then jump to tw- verses 12 through 16. It says this. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the um, Philistines in Gerar. There was a famine. It was drought. Nothing was growing. Nothing was working. The, the economy was down. It was a famine. That was the time they're living in. Jumping forward. Isaac planted crops. He sowed. He planted crops in that land. And that same year he reaped a hundredfold. Because the Lord blessed him, the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines Philistines stopped up, filling them up with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us, you have become too powerful for us. Let's picture the scene. It's famine. In the natural, the stupid thing to do in famine where there's no rain is to plant your seed. The spiritual thing to do is plant your seed. So what does Isaac do? He's in touch with his father in heaven. He says, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to apply the spiritual principle despite the natural circumstances. And he put his seed in the floor. God said, there's the spiritual principle. The natural stuff doesn't matter to me. It doesn't affect me. There's a spiritual principle and I'm going to honor it. God gets his weight behind that spiritual principle and he reaps a hundredfold when everyone else is reaping nothing and he becomes wealthy. Now, hear me now. It's not God's goal for everyone to be super wealthy. That's not what it's about. It's about the principle that God gets behind. He made Isaac wealthy. He made him powerful. So powerful in his time, they looked at him and envied him. But the principle here is, we're living in COVID. You might be thinking, Barry, it's bleak. I'm not sure about my job security. I'm not sure what's coming in in the next six months. I don't know how I feel. You know, the offering's coming up and I'm not sure. And you keep talking about every week about making an offering and, oh, not sure. And I get that. I get that in the natural, but the spiritual is always going to trump the natural. The spiritual says, so. Because when he sowed in famine, he reaped a hundredfold. God will still honor the principle. And my goal as a pastor, your pastor, is to cheer you on and point you back to the Father's principles. Because I want to see you succeed. God wants to see you succeed. So much so that you become blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed. The people around you are blessed. And Almighty God is glorified. The natural signs of famine didn't stop Isaac honoring the spiritual principle. It goes on. Uh, Genesis 26 verses 19 and 22, it says this. And, and Isaac's servants dug the valley and found a well of running water there. That's important. And he moved from there and dug another well. And they didn't fight over it or quarrel. So he called it Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us and we will be fruitful in the land. You see, what's happened is he's sown and he's reaped. 
And because the people became jealous of him, they stopped up all the wells. And the wells is where the running water, they needed the running water to feed the crops. And he dug the wells and God had blessed it. So they stopped them all up. And it's got me thinking, when we look at wells, could we look at them as life values in our time? You know, we talked about honor last week and we had amazing discussion in our connect group about honor over the generations and how maybe in generations gone by there was more honor and somewhere along the way we've lost it a little bit. Who remembers Sir Tom? Uh, Sir, Sir Tom Moore, the guy, the, the guy who was 100 years old and he walked around his garden and made several million pounds for charity. What an amazing guy. What I loved about him, not only his courage and his willingness as a 100-year-old man just to do his bit. When they interviewed him, his language was just washed with honor. He spoke well of the country. He spoke well of his colleagues. He spoke well of the queen. He spoke well of everyone. Because there was a generational thing with him that just, he, he was honorable. And yet, here we are today with honor ebbing away. And I wonder if in this point here, God is saying, come on church, I want you to redig the wells. We need honor back. And I want church, I want you to be the ones to bring it. So can you take your responsibility and start bringing honor in? Because as you dig the well, it's going to cause a flow. Streams of living water. And where's the streams of living water? The plants grow. How about this one? How about purity? How about the well of purity? Whatever happened? You know, I chatted to my dad who's in his 70s now. And he said, you know, in his time, if... if People showed a bit of flesh, it was a big deal. Nowadays, if you're not showing flesh, it's a big deal. You know, there's been a complete flip around. My wife works in the aesthetics industry and people have Botox and fillers and all these things. It's all about how you look. And there is so much flesh on show and they're making millions of pounds by showing themselves off. But where's the purity gone? And so kids are growing up thinking that's the way to make money, that's the way to live, and the purity's gone. I tell you this, that doesn't set you up for a great marriage. People want a great marriage, and yet you look back at all that you've done in history, that's not a great foundation. And marriages are failing everywhere, and I just wonder if that's a small part of the issue, that we've lost the purity. And here's God saying, come on, church, redig the well. Redig the well, because where there's purity, life can flow. It's one of my principles. And so this whole idea of, of digging, I believe God's saying, church, stop. Stop a moment. Reflect on your life now because it's time to dig. It's time to dig deep because there's flowing water. And the water speaks of life and the water speaks of the Holy Spirit. And as we're able to plant, stop and plant, stop and sow, he's going to water that and there's going to be an explosion of life all around you. But here's the thing. It's your choice. God says, I'm going to honor your choice. So, not under compulsion, you don't have to. I'll love you anyway, but I'm going to back the decision you make. And so even in this COVID time where you think, oh, there's so much uncertainty, honor the principle and watch God honor you. Just as an aside, I was reading my word and, and looking up sowing and reaping and reading around it, trying to present this to you well. And I love this verse. It's Psalm 126 and verse 5, and it says this, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. 
And it's this sowing and reaping principle again. And I like it. I, I like it to be explained like this. When you just keep doing the right thing, even when it's painful, even when it's like, I am struggling to do this, it's bringing me to tears, it's painful. When you keep doing the right things, because you keep sowing the right things, over the course of time, you will reap in joy because you have to. How about this scenario? You know, I've got two children. There's lots of babies in our church life and in my friendships group. Bringing up a baby is hard work. The sleepless nights, the smelly nappies, the never-ending feeding, the never-ending washing, the never-ending not getting any moment to yourself. It's hard. There's been tears. But if you'll do due diligence, if you'll sow, if you'll keep doing the right thing, you keep blessing your child. You keep sowing the right stuff into them. The day will come. And I've been in this day when you go to school and you meet their teacher and they say, you should be proud of your child. They're amazing. I've had that with both my children. And the reason I've got that is because I sowed. And me and my wife, Sarah, we sowed. And sometimes we were in tears and we were shattered. And it was hard and it was a time and it was, ah, but we sowed. But what are we reaping? We're reaping the joy of seeing two amazing children grow up. You see, you can sow in tears, but you'll reap in joy. I think you can apply that principle to many areas of life. I've tried to just open up one there with children, but there are many. But this is the truth. If you will choose... And come on, church, this is what it's about. It's about choices. If you will choose to do the right thing, the celebration will come your way. Over the course of time, you will reap what you've sown. God has to honor that principle. God honors that principle so much, he applied it to himself. You know, he desires relationship with humanity. He looks down on humanity and his heart is pounding. He loves people. And he wants relationship with people. So what did he do? He planted a seed. This is Jesus speaking in John chapter 12 and verse 24. Very truly I tell you, Jesus speaking. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And here's the thing. Look at Jesus as God sowing a seed into humanity. He came down from heaven. He demonstrated what the Father looks like. Everywhere he went, he blessed people. He healed people. He provided for people. He taught people. He forgave people. He included people. He included the marginalized. He included the young. He included women. He included everyone. He was representing the Father. But then he got falsely accused and died a death he didn't deserve. But because he said that, when the kernel dies and goes into the ground, it produces more. And you see, the reality is death couldn't hold Jesus. It had nothing on him. And so he rose again. He says, I've got the keys of life. So come on, those of you who are with me, let's go and reap a harvest. There are people in all of our lives who are desperate to meet Jesus. There is struggle and strife and poverty and wickedness all around us. And we know Jesus is the answer. He will bring peace and healing and satisfaction and hope. And he's brought the seed and God is saying, I planted the seed. I expect a harvest. And it's my job 
And it's your job to reap the harvest. So how about we get a bit bolder? We live a bit bigger. We're a bit braver. We start making proper, mature choices to honor the principles of God. And we allow the principles of God to shoot our life forward in such a way that people have to notice. And how about we get bolder in sharing our faith? People want to know. I think the time's gone where we, this little secret Christian gang that sneaks off the church and no one knows. We've got to be the out there Christian gang because people need Jesus. And God sowed a seed and he expects a harvest. And I want to play my part in reaping that harvest. I know this, that the moment I said yes to Jesus, my life changed forever. I've got hope for eternity. I'm blessed. I'm healed of all the things that I struggled with, all because of Jesus. And I want to just play my part in being another seed, putting it out there and reaping a harvest with the Father. You see, there's an irrevocable spiritual truth of sowing and reaping. We need to apply it. God has applied it. And he has an expectation on me and you to reap that harvest with him. So my truth bomb number two is this. Sowing and reaping is a God-given truth from heaven that makes life better. I'd love to pray for you. Father, we acknowledge so many times that we wrestle with this principle. But we acknowledge it's your truth. So Lord, I want to pray for every person right now who's being challenged, who's thinking, who's reflecting. Lord God, but by your spirit, you touch hearts and minds. And you'd cause a maturity to rise up. And Lord, as people start taking steps towards sowing, Lord God, that you would back them from heaven. You would honor the principle. And just like Isaac did, when he sowed when no one else was sowing, you backed him and he reaped a hundredfold. Lord, I want to declare a hundredfold increase to your people for those that will sow. Be released, church. Be released from the fear. Be released from a lifetime of missing this principle. Let today be a new day in your walk with Jesus where you open your hands and not by compulsion but because your heart has been moved to honour the principle. And know this, God will supply seed to the sower, an abundance of it, that you would overflow and you would be a blessing. And I wonder if there's people out there today who maybe been watching church for a few weeks it's today the day you say yes to Jesus I can promise you with some authority it will be the best decision you ever make Jesus is a seed sown that your life would flourish so I want to invite you to pray and I want to pray a prayer and you just need to say amen in your heart or out loud is even better that says I invite you into my world Jesus so let's pray Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you that you came from heaven. You demonstrated the Father on earth. You died, but death couldn't hold you. And you rose again to give me life. So today I accept you, Jesus. 
I ask you to come and live in my heart and lead me forward. Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong that have separated us. But I thank you that I'm forgiven. I'm looking forward to walking in abundance. I'm looking forward to running this life with you. I'm looking forward to learning new stuff, building new relationships. But there's a fresh hope in my heart. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, and please get in touch. We'd love to support you, send you some literature, do life with you. Make a comment in the chat box, email the church, do whatever's easiest for you, but don't do it on your own. We're called to do this life together. But hey, church, come on, let's be people that apply this truth bomb of sowing and reaping. The challenge is out there. The truth is out there. Come on, let's make a great and mature choice. God bless you all. Let's go out with some praise.